Welcome, all of you wine and true crime lovers. I'm Brandy. And I'm Chris. And this is Texas Wine and True Crime. Thank you for being here, friends, for this week's episode, The Border Patrol Serial Killer. Hey, babe. Hola, Brandy. <laughs> How are you? Muy, muy bien. Muy, oh, happy muy September. Bien. Yes. Summer Feliz is... de si septiembre. Is it, that how you say it? I don't know. You would know more than you I You said would. happy September. I don't know. I think it's worse. It's Border Patrol talk. It is. It is. Uh, we are... We don't feel like it's out of summer because it's still hot outside. It's still summer. <laughs> the kids don't are back them, in school. Don't let them, them steer you otherwise. Labor Day. There's pumpkin spice being served, but it's still freaking summer here. <laughs> yeah. Pumpkin spice is in full effect. Um, a babe, the date has changed for our spooky Halloween live show in brunch. Really, babe? Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe. On Saturday, October 15th. So it was October. Um, Why we change it? Uh, we changed it because we're going to be out of town. Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, glad I look at the calendar. So uh, this, guys, is going to be October 15th at Farina's Winery in Grapevine. So put it on your calendars. Our last show at Farina's sold out very quickly. I had people like, I want to come. I want to come. I'm like, sorry. Uh, they control the tickets. So um, get them while you can. So you don't want to miss our spooky season live show. We will let everyone know when tickets come on sale. It's going to be so spooky. It is. Chris, last year we did a live Halloween theme show at English Newsome Cellars. We did. That was pretty cool. That was so fun. That was so fun. English Newsome, have, have us back. That was a That was a great time. Okay, guys, tonight we are sipping on Rattlesnake Red from our friends at Cascabel Ranch Winery. You will hear more about this wine and Chris's pairing during our wine recess. That you will. All right, babe, are you ready to get into this week's case, the Border Patrol serial killer? Yes, let's dive in. Okay, friends, it's time to sip some wine and talk some crime. Okay, well, our victims are found in the Laredo area, so we are going to learn a little bit about Laredo. Number one, Laredo is the largest border crossing for goods traded between the United States and Mexico. I did know that. Okay. I think I did too. Yep. Number two, the Border Olympics men's collegiate golf tournament is the longest running golf tournament in the nation. A gathering of student athletes representing universities, colleges, and even high schools throughout Texas, as well as other states and Mexico, the Border Olympics are a big deal in Laredo. Now, they started in 1932 as a track and field meet only. It eventually grew to include sports like golf, basketball, baseball, softball, tennis, soccer, and most recently, volleyball. The Border Olympics continues to be an annual event that coincides with the Texas Independence Day. Did you know that? I never knew of the Border Olympics. However, I have probably have some good bits on other events they could include on those border. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll save an episode for that. Yeah, the- we're going to yeah. have to do like a, you know, Chris, the Chris pole, off the, the record type the, 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 the episode. Pole, the pole vault over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you're terrible. The, uh, you know, the dig a hole, uh, dig a tunnel, um, you know, swimming's probably very popular. <laughs> it's the border, man. I'm not saying, Lots I'm happen. not saying build the wall. I'm just saying I've been no. down there and it can get a little cray cray, you know, it's all good. Hey. Land of opportunity. What do you expect? That's right. Number three, Laredo is the only city in Texas to fly under seven flags. While most Texans know about the six flags that fly over Texas representing the six countries that had sovereignty over all or parts of the state at any given time, Laredo is the only city to have seven. 
Y7, the seventh flag, joined with the other six representing Spain, France, Mexico, the Republic of Texas, the Confederate States of America, and the United States of America, represents the short-lived Republic of the Rio Grande. I never even knew that's what Six Flags stood for. Oh, you did it? That that was actually a quiz thing I did at work for a bingo prize. Mm. Yeah, I just thought they called Six Flags. We had six different areas. No, but there's then, actual logic behind it, honey. Yeah. And who knew there was a number seven? I had no idea. I never go. Maybe that's why. So, Yeah, you don't like Six Flags. You're not a roller coaster guy. Juan David Ortiz was a killer that no one saw coming. He was a trusted officer of the law, yet he was arrested and accused of killing four women in the San Bernardo, Bernardo area, which is just north of Laredo. This is the story of Juan David Ortiz. Okay, Chris, I was hoping to break this down into two parts, so two episodes. So Another we could, another two-parter? Well, no, it's not going to be. This is going to be a one-parter. I really want to focus on talking about the victims, but I think we can get everything in about this case um, yeah, in just one episode. Let's keep it one episode. People are calling um, this guy a wolf in sheep's clothing. He was a trusted officer of the law. Working border patrol along the Texas-Mexico border, but now he is sitting in jail waiting for his time in court. Okay, so Ortiz is in his 30s, 35 years old when this is happening, uh, a member of the U.S. Border Patrol for 10 years, where he worked as an, an intelligence operator. Chris, he's also a Navy veteran and had an exemplary disciplinary record throughout his career. So this guy has been literally in zero trouble in his adult life. If we're following the paper trail, no issues with this guy. Now we see why this guy is called a wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, Chris, he is accused of killing four women and dumping their bodies in or around the Laredo area. These are Laredoans or Mexican Uh, citizens? um, I don't know exactly, but both. St. Bernardo is just north of Laredo. Um, on the Texas side, though, correct? Right, on the Texas side, that's yes. correct, yeah. So he was not, no, going into Mexico and bringing them back or anything. No, we're yeah, not they take, were here. taking advantage of uh, you know, possible uh, illegals right. as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so it, we'll wait till you hear his reasoning behind all of this. There, he, he actually gave reasoning. Um, so he was able to pick up and shoot four women in the matter of 12 days. This actually occurred within less than two weeks. There was almost a fifth victim, but thankfully she was able to escape. And this ended up leading to his um, his demise, his arrest. All of these crimes happened between September 3rd and September 15th. So, Chris, this was occurring this exact week four years ago. Uh, On September 2nd, 2018, the day before Labor Day, Ortiz arrives at the prostitute blocks. So this is a well-known area of San Bernardo, which is called... Um, the prostitute blocks, and basically it's ladies of the night. It's their Harry Hines. That's correct. He spots Melissa Ramirez, 29 years old. Um, Chris, this woman had been on the streets of San Bernardo for nearly a decade. Um, that night, she hops into a truck and disappears. Melissa Ramirez was found the next day, shot to death on Jeffrey's Road near um, near State Highway 255. She was the first person allegedly killed by Ortiz. So now we have a 29-year-old victim. A few weeks before her, now Chris, how weird is this? A few weeks before her body was found, 
Melissa Ramirez shared a premonition with her mother. She told her mom she would be murdered with a gunshot to the head within a month. Now she's sitting in the kitchen talking to her mom and her sister-in-law and basically giving them these versions or excuse me, these visions she had of dying from a gun, from a gunshot wound to the head. Now her mother asked her, um, her mother did an interview um, after his arrest and she basically told her daughter, you know, stop saying things like that. You're scaring me. She even said her daughter put her two fingers up to her head and like, you know, like pretended like to pull the trigger. And, and in fact, her mom was so disturbed by what she was saying. She decided to film it. So she, yeah, but you think that's just kind of cause the life she was leading, not that she thought this guy was going to come and get her. Right. Well, nobody knew why she just was having these visions of, of dying mm-hmm. and dying from a gunshot wound. And her, you know, as a parent, I can only imagine what her mom was like, you know, knowing that her daughter's going to be leaving again and going back out onto she the was, street. She was a hooker, right? Yeah, she was a prostitute. Um, so it, it just worried her mom. So she takes a video of um, of her daughter telling this story. And, and here's the thing. she The mother handed over this video to police after her daughter's murder. So she she gives it to police so they can watch it. Um, Ramirez is survived by two children, her mother and two siblings. So now the investigation into the murder of Melissa Ramirez begins. One of the center's intelligence supervisors, a 35-year-old agent named Juan David Ortiz, was asked to assist in the investigation. He was filled in on Ramirez's murder, and he and his team promptly started running license plate checks, trying to find information. Chris, now we have the murderer appointed by the Border Patrol to help solve her murder. That is a little insane. A little insane, I would say. Which is, which is why I'm not sure if I totally believe his reasoning at the end of this, what we'll talk about. I, don't, I feel like this guy wanted some sort of notoriety. And I felt like he knew, knowing this location and knowing where he was patrolling, that he would have a hand in these investigations. Um, Before her daughter is found dead on September 3rd, Ramirez's mom went looking for her on the streets where she could, where, you know, she could typically be found. She comes across 42-year-old Claudine Lorea. And asked her if she had seen her. And she said, no, I haven't seen her. Now, Lorea would fall victim to Ortiz two weeks later. She was found alive, but later died at a hospital of gunshot wounds. So Claudine's mother had died years before. She was raised by her oldest sister. She was a ninth grade dropout, had children very young. Her family said she was a great mom when she was home, but felt bored and grew tired of the responsibilities of parenting. So her family helped raise her four children while Claudine spent a lot of time dealing with a heroin addiction on the streets of the border town. Our next victim is 35-year-old Gazelda Alicia Cantu. 
Um, this was Ortiz's third victim. Now, even though Cantu was the third victim, her remains were the last to be identified. Cantu's brother and other family members say she will never be forgotten. And Chris, over 150 people attended her funeral at a Catholic church to pay their respects. The last victim, Nikki Enriquez, 28 years old, was fatally shot between September 14th and 15th. Her body was found near mile marker 15 on Interstate 35. Enriquez was a transgender woman and was identified by law enforcement as Humberto Ortiz, which was her given birth name. She was also um, known by the name Janelle. Enriquez was the last victim, fatally shot just hours before the, uh, the Border Patrol agent was tracked down on September the 15th. Her body was later found near a gravel pit. Um, Enriquez is survived by numerous loved ones, including her parents, her four siblings, extended family, and friends. And now it's time for a wine recess. Okay, honey. You made something homemade and delicious, like you always do. But homemade, this one was homemade and delicious. <laughs> homemade yes. and delicious. So I'll talk about the wine in a Most second. Most always they come out delicious. Sometimes. Yes, they so do. Now and then there's a there's a flub. This one took a little bit of time to do. It did. It was a major pain in the butt. Tell us. Well, tell. It was still delicious, but tell everyone about it. Well, I made chili rellenos, and so lots involved, um, just with the stuffing and the. Preparing of the peppers and stuffing the peppers and, of course, you know, frying the peppers up. So lots of work. They're fun to make. It's just very involved. It's kind of like making tamales. You know, it's a, yeah. it's, it's an all-day, um, well, not quite as lengthy as Half tamales. a day. Half a day for sure. Yeah. So made um, some picadillo-stuffed chili brillanos and a, um, a ranchera sauce to go kind of underneath that I pureed and made a... Um, I guess you say puree of ranchera sauce. And did some uh, smoked paprika, roasted, roasted potatoes, and a cilantro lime rice. It was yummy. It was good. It spent most of my day doing all that. So hopefully I get some, you know, maybe I need a massage or something. <laughs> you a little, want a hand massage? A little rub down, yeah. <laughs> my feet, my feet from standing. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. My hands. I know your hands. Oh, my hands. You use but your yeah, hands a lot. So, so uh, yeah. Well, it was delicious, honey. Yeah, it was delicious. It went well with the wine. Um, it did. I thought it, I thought it really, went really nice. We've been kind of saving this wine to do something with it. So It was perfect. Yeah, um, it was perfect. Rattlesnake Red from mm -hmm. our friends at Cascabel Ranch Winery. We love you guys. You know that. Um, this is a wine that's good for just sipping while you're making dinner, um, having friends over, have a cookout. Uh, Rattlesnake Red is the perfect wine for any occasion. This Now, this is a sweet red blend, but... It's not too sweet. It's not too dry. I find it just, I find it pleasantly, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just, it's good. It's not, it's not overly sweet. It's a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Sangiovese, and Primitivo. So those are the three wines. Um, it's full-bodied, fruity, and smooth, not too bold, not too sweet, this wine is sure to be a pleaser at a party. Yeah, it's not too sweet. No, Even it is not. if you read something that says sweet, it might initially be a turnoff for some people. Yeah. However, I think if you don't like really, sweet wine. Yeah, I think it was really good. Yeah, it's really Very good. mellow. Uh, it can be your go-to for dinners, just um, a night out, like, or night in, whichever. Yeah, or a night podcasting. <laughs> yeah, or night podcasting. And all day. Okay. 
It's what we do, babe. It's what we do. It's what we do. While all y'all are out. <laughs> what? While y'all are out drinking your wine, we're at home drinking wine <laughs> and uh, doing podcasts. So. All right. Well, great job on dinner. Thank you. Great job, Cascabel Ranch Winery on your Rattlesnake Red. thank you very much. Go visit our friends. Go visit their um, page on Facebook. They're on Instagram. You can contact them directly if you would like to try their wine, but please. They're just nice people. Great, great people. Purchase your um, your libations from good people, then uh, that would be one of our first choices. Most of the people we deal with have all been fantastic. fantastic. So that's why we always talk about them and try to push their wares. That's right. Um, so, yeah, go uh, go uh, check out our friends at Cascabel Ranch Winery. Okay, Chris. Um, so let's talk about – so now we, we have our four victims. This happens in a very short period of time. Now, Ortiz was an expert on Interstate 35 as part of the Border Patrol's highway interdiction team. So which they – this is what they do. They intercept vehicles basically trying to transport drugs and human trafficking. Is there as much construction on 35 down there? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it's easier to catch these people. <laughs> they have to lane. stop. Yeah, they have to stop. Now, Chris, this trusted officer Inside of joke, the law. Inside joke if you're not from Texas. Yeah, but, if you're not from Texas. Our, our highways are always under construction. Yeah. The roads are always terrible. Yeah. It's a good gig, though. <laughs> good gig in our road business. Keeps them busy. You know, I'm in the wrong business. All right. So um, now. There was a there was a going to be a fifth victim, but thankfully she escaped. Her name is Erica Pena. So Erica is picked up by Ortiz, and Erica knows um, Miss Ramirez, Melissa Ramirez. So she brings her name up, right? She brings her name up because. She's worried, you know, that these these women had gone missing. She's she's on the streets just like them. She shares her concern about what has possibly happened. And then she said this guy, it was almost like he just turned into a totally different person. So they are now at his house. So this is this is what I'm really interested to learn about, Chris, that we don't know in this case. He will not tell authorities how he knew these women. He says he did. And he said there was a relationship or at least some sort of introduction between all of them to him. But he hasn't come out and said how he exactly knew these women. So you mean to this day he hasn't? Yeah, come he out? has not come out and said it. He, but they do believe that he knew them in well, some capacity. All prostitutes, right? So, right. So, usually, if you know, a so you think he picked them up and was doing something with them, even though he hated prostitutes. We'll talk about that in a second. I don't. I mean, I'm just trying to put. So do you pick up a sex worker to, and have sex with the them and then hate them? You know what, though? We, we talked about this before. There's been other serial killers who have said, you know, they hate women. They've, hate, they've hated their mother, which is why they hated women. But they still did things, you know, with these with I'm these just women. saying maybe that's how he knew them. Maybe he had a, you know, he's a cop. I mean, you know. Right. I've, I've seen all kinds of scandalous law, law enforcement officers. 
Yeah. They're not all just just. So I think it'll come out once court, once we start to kind of get into the court case, which I will tell you guys when that's coming up. Um, I think we're going to find out more. I think we're going to find out more about that's the relationships. No, that's not part two. We're not. That's what at part the end that? of this one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I didn't know. I mean, you know. Um, so, so there is some sort of relationship, but this girl is at his home. Okay. And she says all of a sudden he just looks like he's about to attack her. She was so scared. She ran out of the front door vomiting. Like she throws up on his front lawn and she's trying to do anything she possibly can to like, to get out of there. So he's trying to catch her and she sees a state trooper off like in the distance at a convenience store and she starts screaming and flagging them down and they they help her and they end up finding him so they end up she tells them what happened um and they end up finding this guy so here here's the deal though they think he was actually trying to get authorities to shoot him So as officers were closing in, he ran to the third floor of a hotel parking garage and tried to use a parked pickup truck as a shield. He flashed his phone at the officers surrounding him. Now, this is what the police said. And they concluded he was trying to make it appear that he was holding a weapon so they would shoot him. And Ortiz, no shots were fired. And Ortiz was arrested um, after after that. Well, he, I mean, I don't know. He probably just didn't. The thought of going to jail as a law enforcement officer is, you know, they're not super popular, yeah. especially down that part of town, you know. Well, part of not Texas, popular in prison, not shameful to anyone who knows you and your family and everything you, you've dedicated your life towards. And then you end up wanting to eradicate prostitution on your own, which is basically what this guy said he was trying to do. Um, He was brought in and questioned and ultimately admitted to killing the women. So during these interviews, he said he disliked um, uh, he disliked the sex trade and wanted to eradicate all the prostitutes. He told investigators he was doing a service by killing the women and that he didn't think law enforcement was doing enough to curb prostitution. Yet, Chris, authorities believe Ortiz knew all of his victims, like I mentioned, in some capacity, even though he has not told them how he actually knew them or what the relationship was. But we can only assume, we can only assume that he was either picking them up and having sex with them, or he was basically friending them and getting them to trust him because he was law enforcement. So maybe taking them safely to a dinner, right? Or giving them some money or just making them feel comfortable in his presence. And then he, and then he goes in for the attack. Or so maybe, it's going to be one of the maybe they knew things. he was a cop. No, I think they did know he was a cop. Yeah. I think that's why he was able to get them to trust him. But, Again, we won't really know. I'm hoping just more comes out um, in the court. Prosecutors in Texas will seek the death penalty against Ortiz. They thought about um, coming after him for four counts of murder instead of one capital murder charge, but they are going to go for the capital murder charge. This is going to take place. The trial will take place in San Antonio with jury selection starting October 21st of this year. Uh, These women mattered. 
No matter what Ortiz thought of them, they had families and they will forever be missed. Unlike what Ortiz said about targeting women, that would not be missed. Chris, that concludes the Border Patrol serial killer. I know it didn't seem like a lot, but but the trial's coming up. So we're going to probably have a part two of this once this trial That's gets what I underway. Said, part is that part two. Well, yeah, but not this week. Yeah, it's going to be in the future. But I'm I'm going to follow this case. Um, we're going to follow now. There, he was on a two and a half million dollar bond. He never bonded out. He's been sitting in prison waiting for his court date. Um, because that's a lot of money and Mm -hmm. he wasn't going to get out. They were going to make sure this guy wasn't getting out. So he's been sitting in prison since 2018, uh, but he will have his time in court and it will be sooner than later. Um, You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, um, our pages for future episodes. Uh, Chris and and guys, we are going to be doing a second episode this week because we just, you know, it was Labor Day weekend and we kind of got to partying. So, (laughs) so this is out on Monday. So we will have another episode out, um, sometime this week. Okay, babe. There are two organizations we are supporting this month. Alex's Lemonade Stand, which supports families dealing with childhood cancer and the Peyton Heart Project, which fights the fight against suicide. We love both of these organizations. We love the people who are involved, who have brought these organizations to our attention. It is September, which is both Suicide Awareness Month and Childhood Cancer Month. I am currently doing a fundraiser in in our Facebook group under Alex's Lemonade Stand. If you donate $25 or more, I will send you Texas Wine and True Crime stickers. Chris, we've already had a few people donate. So thank you guys so much for that. Um, thank you to to um, the women who have brought Alex's Lemonade Stand into our lives and um, and shared their own personal stories. And you can find that link on our Facebook page. Chris, I hope to have representatives of both organizations on our show this month so they can talk about why these um, these organizations and um, causes are so important to them and to our community. That'd be a great idea. So um, be, li- be listening for that. So please go donate and show love to both of these amazing organizations, Alex's Lemonade Stand and um, the Peyton Heart Project. We love you guys. Until next time, friends. Baby, you have anything else to say? I was just digging our uh, social affective disorder light. <laughs> our selfie light. It's, uh, it's really bringing the we whole really room, need whole a room new together. One. Don't you think we need a new one? It's kind of falling apart. No. I used to take a lot of selfies, which is why I bought it. (laughs) Makeup selfies. It didn't stop me from taking selfies (laughs) by not using the social affective disorder line. (laughs) Until next time, friends. Stay safe, have fun, and cheers to next time. Cheers, everybody. Thank you.